Good morning and good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Random Trek. I am your faithful king, I mean Captain Christopher Ingle, joined as always by my trusty confidant, my right-hand man, the captain of the guard, I mean my first officer, Brennan, the mystical Mar. Brennan, how you doing? My life is but to serve you, my liege. <laughs> I don't think I need that much power. Mm. Ah, today we are taking a look at Strange New World Season 1, Episode 8, The Elysian Kingdom. Very mm. much in the vein of some of the more fun and light episodes from TNG's past, yet with a very heavy center, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, a great episode. Uh, but before we get into Elysian Kingdom, we got some new hot Trek news straight from Starfleet. Uh, unfortunately, the carriers of all things Trek right now, except for the movies, uh, Paramount Plus has decided to pull the plug on on uh, Star Trek Prodigy. Mm. Um, they are, word is, they are still finishing post-production because they were almost done, but they will be shopping it to other other networks, but it will not be on Paramount Plus or Nickelodeon if there is to be a second season, Brendan, how do we feel about this? You know, the show was interesting because as I started it, I'm thinking, okay, a Star Trek show on Nickelodeon. But it really went to some interesting places mm -hmm. and some huge connections to the rest of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So, and Barry said that they canceled it. I hope another company picks it up uh, to distribute it because I think it's a story worth telling. Mm -hmm. And I was disappointed because if they are so focused on having all the Star Trek available, why cancel the show? I don't know what its audience size was. Or whatnot, but uh, they, I don't know what their reasoning is. I think their release strategy was a bit of a risk here because it took them a whole calendar year to release one season. They broke it up way too far apart. Uh, and I don't think they pushed hard enough for it on Nickelodeon. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so uh, and we'll talk more about this when we talk about our, our retrospect because Brendan and I decided since they are removing it, it would be a disservice for us not to cover Prodigy as a whole uh, for random Trek. Uh, and so uh, I spent the last weekend, uh, after I got back from my away mission, reviewing Star Trek Prodigy episode by episode. Uh, unfortunately, as the point of recording, they removed it today. So Brendan did not get to do a rewatch, but we are going to talk about it as a bonus episode uh, coming up in the very near future. We will talk about all of season one of Star Trek Prodigy. So Maybe someone bootlegged it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can find it somewhere out on the Ethernets. Uh, but mm -hmm. but let's uh, let's talk Elysian Kingdom. So Brennan. How did you feel going into this one? This is a fun episode. Um, mm -hmm. This is very much in the tradition of the Squire of Gothos or Shore Leave 
but also an imaginary friend or next generation. You did masks. Dramatis Persona from Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Some of the crazy adventures of Star Trek Voyager. Like Heroes and Demons. This is mm-hmm. one of those really fun, really imaginative episodes where something fantastic happens. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me also of Mirror Mirror in a way. Where the actors are really getting to ham it up. And, and that's really fun to watch sometimes. Right. And I remember how much I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed it more the second time. <laughs> this I... is just a really fun, classic Star Trek episode. Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it the first time. I enjoyed it even more on a rewatch. Um, there's so much nuance to it, and it's not just like like Trouble with Tribbles. We love Trouble with Tribbles, but that is just a silly, goofy episode. Yeah, there's not much to say in that episode. This yeah. is funny, and it's great to see the characters out of their normal element, except yes. for Mbenga mm-hmm. uh, and Helmer, uh, both of them. Uh, although we'll get into this. Helmer has some of the greatest moments. Helmer is so awesome in this. Uh, but this has a deep heart to it that really uh gets to me as a father uh mm. let's let's get into yeah. talking about this yeah all right so we open up with um the enterprise finishing a survey of a nebula uh dr mbenga is actually our focus this is the first time dr mbenga gets mm-hmm. an entire focus and he is talking about uh in his personal log uh his quest to cure his daughter because remember his daughter is aboard the enterprise in the transporter buffer a la scotty yeah uh, scotty because and... she's got an incurable illness right and he's trying to buy time to be able to find her a, find a cure for her mm-hmm. um and he's reading he opens up and we see him reading a story to her which is the elysian kingdom mm-hmm. uh it's a storybook that he's reading uh, um and it's very standard you know, you've got the kings and, and the princesses and the evil wizards and the good wizards. And, you know, it's it's very fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's reading it to her and she wants to change the story, but the doctor won't allow it. Mm-hmm. He says, no, when you're older, you can rewrite the story any way you want. So he puts her to bed, okay, puts her back in into the transport buffer. Uh, and he goes immediately to work trying to research a cure. Uh, and he ends up accidentally passing out uh, because of one of one of the experiments that he has. It was a failure, but it, it caused him to pass out for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the the nebula that the Enterprise is investigating, they're getting ready to leave. And then all of a sudden they, they can't leave. Something's going on. What's what's, mm-hmm. what's going on? He can't figure it out. Uh and Bengo uh, wakes up, uh, goes up to the bridge, and when he opens the door, the bridge is no longer the bridge. Mm-hmm. It's the throne room to the Elysian Kingdom, and he is dressed as the king, and everyone else in the crew are dressed as characters from this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, the only other person who is aware 
of what's going on is Mbenga and Helmer. Helmer, mm-hmm. due to his his psychic abilities uh, as an Ener, oh, yeah. we'll uh, is resistant. Like the yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what the what um, Helmer kind of discerns is he's like, I believe there's a consciousness. I feel it, but it's the nebula itself is a mm. consciousness, and he calls it a Boltzmann brain. This idea that is a real, uh, real. A uh, hypothetical thought experiment to where a consciousness could spontaneously exist in nothingness. It just appears and is, and that's how he describes this as a as a Boltzmann brain. And yes, it is a real, uh, uh real thing. We'll we'll talk more about that. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, but, um. So they go through, uh, and we'll talk about each of the characters as we go through it, but everybody is playing their parts. Uh, and what we find out is that this was created by his daughter. The The entity made contact with his daughter and wanted to help her. She was bored. She was, you know, so he took her out of the transport buffer and created this fantasy for her uh, mm-hmm. because she was lonely. Uh problem is it's not so much a problem we'll get to in just a second is that it cures her of her illness perfectly she's healthy she's happy the problem is that it is only effective when she is with this this uh, uh creature who she calls deborah deborah we'll, we'll call the entity deborah um he wants to be able to speak to the entity to to understand it and so homer allows it to be speak, spoken through him. And we discover that Deborah too is lonely. Uh and that um that his daughter, Rakaya, will, you know, never have to worry about being sick ever again. But if they leave, the illness will return. It won't she won't stay cured. That either the the enterprise needs to stay there or Rakaya will revert back. And Rakaya says, you know, let me stay, Daddy. I'm okay. Let me stay. You know, I'll never be lonely. I'll be okay. And at that point, Mbenga has to make a choice. Mm. And he chooses to allow his daughter to stay in in with the nebula and become consciousness, become existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a very touching moment, she she disappears. And she, the last thing you hear from her as a child is it tickled daddy. Like, oh, it just, oh, drives me uh, nuts. But then she reappears as an adult looking like her mother and mm-hmm. sharing a mo- one last moment with her dad that, hey, I'm okay. I'm mm-hmm. always going to be okay. And you can always come back. Mm-hmm. And it's just, wow. You know, those moments as a dad. Um, um, and and that pretty much they return the ship back to normal after she leaves, and he talks with Number One, who was aware the whole time of 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 course of of uh, his daughter in the 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 transport buffer, and they kind of have a moment and talk. And, mm-hmm. uh, but that ends the episode right there. Uh, I'm skipping over the fun stuff because <laughs> in reality, we'll like there. I said, it has a heart to this episode. We'll <laughs> um, so let's talk about the fun stuff, and then we'll get to the heart of it. Uh, We've got to hit on each character because they're so unique and different than the characters that they play 
normally. So yes. let's start with Anson Mount, who to me was was one of the ones that I didn't expect this from. Yeah. Uh he plays this is, Sir. This is a real highlight. He plays Sir Amund Ralph, who is the the uh the uh um what is he? The the consultant? He uh, is a uh he is gosh, what is he? I he's can't the Chamberlain. The Chamberlain, thank you. Yes. Uh yes, he's the Chamberlain to uh to the king. Uh, and he's a whiny, scrawny little thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how do we think about Anson Mount? Brave, strong captain dealing with us. Anson Mount is one of the highlights of this episode. Mm-hmm. He is so much fun to watch as this character. Getting to really hand it up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just really go, go to town with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think we're going to go into this in discussion, but I can't help but wonder if the characters that were chosen for each of these people don't represent personality traits that we see and deal with all through season one. Mm. So Anson Mount, now think about it. Uh, uh, Captain Pike is dealing with the fear of his impending death. Yep. Or, or not his death, but his, uh, his, his fate, which his, is almost his, yeah, is 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 getting uh, put in the chair, getting put in the chair, uh, but not the captain's chair, uh, getting put in the. Mm, in that, that gave the, me an idea for uh, cosplay. Mm-hmm. Uh but I can make that work really well. He everything he does is to try to run from this fate, mm-hmm. to hide from this fate, to do what he can. We already covered what happened in in the uh, season finale uh, when we talked about uh, um, you know the the comparisons uh, and and what happens to the timeline if he doesn't let this happen if he tries yeah. to prevent it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is interesting because this character is always running away. He's trying to find every reason to be on the easy side. And uh, I say diplomacy, sir. <laughs> Diplomacy, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, then we get Ethan Peck as as Wizard Pollux, the evil Wizard Pollux, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, who is the brother to Helmer's Helmer's uh, fantasy character. Um, this is interesting too because he's a darker side, and we always talk about with Spock how he has this split side that exists, and we've seen what happens when his rage gets out. Mm-hmm. He's compromised. So I think dealing and wrestling with that dark side, letting it manifest in the form of this wizard is kind of interesting. Uh, we have Jess Bush as mm-hmm. Lady Audrey. I think she's kind of she's kind of out there. Mm-hmm. She's a little out there. Nurse Chapel's a little out there, but they kind of cover the same thing. They're both a little bit of apothecaries, a little bit of, a, you know, uh, uh, they're very close, very close to each other. Doesn't... I do love that that Lady Audrey or whatever character. Is, it's really like not really with it. Yeah, <laughs> and it does seem at times that Nurse Chapel, as smart as she is, sometimes gets in a tangent, gets in a moment all to herself. Uh, at mm-hmm. least this incarnation of it. Uh, Christina Chong. Uh, uh, also, uh, you know, she's La uh, Laon plays Princess Thalia. This is and... the one. Even the... though it's a brief scene, it is so much fun. I love it because Laon is so tough and rough and, you know, sure of herself. And, you know, 
this character is not that in any way. It's this character pretty, is pretty, pretty princess. And... <laughs> she sings for a brief yeah. moment. She sings. Uh, and the dog that she has is her actual dog. It's her real dog. Yeah. Her, I love that. Uh, but I, I love this with her because she's always been on the run. Think of what happened to her with the Gorn and what yeah. have you. She's always had to have a rough exterior. So I think inside she longs for this moment to be able to not be that. And, and Christina hold... Chung really does a good job with this. Yeah, she plays with that really well. Um, then we have uh, Celia Rose Gooding playing Uhura, who is Queen Nev. Yes. Uh, Queen Nev is, if there is a bad guy, it's Queen Nev. Uh, and she's got those short finger thingies going she's on. She's a lot like Captain Kelly. Yes. We've addressed yes. Captain Kelly in the past. Yes. Uh, near universe. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But Uhura is so nice and so, like, she's confident, but she's scared a lot, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I think we saw that early on that, you know, her idea of should I be in Starfleet, you know, now, granted we deal with that, but those kind of fears still linger. Those questions mm -hmm. linger. Uh, so I think for her to be the empowered villain, is kind of an interesting, uh, interesting way to go. I like that. Um, Ortegas plays Sir Adia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, this is in, more in keeping with her character, I'd say. Very much so. However, I'm going to say this is the one that I really love is kind of making a statement. Um, uh, this idea of gender identity is a really neat thing. It, not just in this series, but in all of Star Trek right now. And the fact that they made her a sir, not Lady Adia, not Dame Adia. Not, no, she is a knight. She is Sir Adia. Very much in the veins of... of uh, uh, Sir Brienne of Tarth in Game of yes, Thrones. Yes, exactly. What I, I love that aspect of it. This idea that you don't have, you know, you can be female, but you can and be strong. Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and she's great. I love her. She plays this part so well. Um, yeah. uh, and Benga, of course, is King Ridley. Uh, he's the one yeah. not not affected by it all. Not affected. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Hammer it plays the wizard caster. Oh, he's again, great. He's so uh, good. He's the funny. He's got the best lines. Um, he, he he there's he believes not in magic but in science, and he points this out multiple times in this episode. The power of science, and he plays to it so well. Mm -hmm. One time he pulls out what looks like a plasma torch, and he said, mm -hmm. "If you did a magic trick, what would what what magic words would you say? And they're like, uh, abra, or I think, uh, and Benga says abracadabra, and mm -hmm. he says, watch, and he takes out the plasma they get it, uh, because they're trapped, and he, he he uses it. He goes, abra, cadabra, and they're able to get out. Like he plays it mm -hmm. so well. Uh, uh, later on, he is they're dealing with the forces of Queen Nev, uh, and the evil red shirts, uh, or the red guard. As mm -hmm. it were, the Red Guard, uh, because oh, that's right. um, the Red Shirts. I didn't. Jenna think of Mitchell, that. yeah, Jenna, uh, 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 Rongfu, who plays Jenna Mitchell. They are the head of the Crimson Guard. Yes, uh, mm -hmm. so it's a, that's important. Uh, but uh, they've got to get him away uh, so they can get to his quarters. Uh, and he's sitting there doing a magic trick, and he's 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 summoning his powers he's playing it up so big oh, and Mbenga's so like just funny. get to the point so and he pulls out a communicator opens it up and presses a button 
and they transport to the cargo bay. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant moment. He's I love this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so great. And our final one is Rebecca Ramon, who who is of course Una Chin Riley, number one. Uh, playing Zymira the Huntress. Zymira the Huntress. Uh, and again, she's... The serious uh, amounts of eyeshadow. Yeah, that was a lot of eyeshadow, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What I love about this is that number one is is a fighter, too. She is having to hide. Think about it. As a Huntress, you're skulking in the woods. You are You are stalking your prey. In her own way, she is hiding. She is fighting for what's right but having to hide from the Federation, her truth of, of being Illyrian. Mm-hmm. So I think all of these, I love all of it. Now, I don't know if that was in, and uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think those traits are deep down inside each of them and it's played out really well. Yeah, I think I think that's it's excellent. And the casting set, within casting. The set design in this was also really oh, well done. Very much like masks. Yes, yeah, I was thinking of that, except while well, masks obviously was uh they were physically converting it. This is a weird amalgamation that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, where Jeffrey's tubes are like hidden caves and um <laughs> uh, I, I I uh the, the the brig or no uh the trans was it no they the were transporter the room is a is a yeah, cage. The transporter room is a cage and um I, I just love this aspect of it. It is so much fun for also, them to be in. I don't know who the costume designer is, but they deserve mm-hmm. kudos. He did such a good job. 100%. 100%. The costumes here were fantastic. Yeah. The, the, Particularly the, Anson Mount's costume. Yes. I actually, I really like that costume. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, the, but the fantasy elements of this work so well in this episode. The tone is spot on. And it's a blast. I love watching this. But that is just the veneer of the story that's really going on, which is the love of a father and what he is willing to do to help his daughter. It's it's an emotional gut punch. I, I didn't see it coming. When I first watched it, I did not see it coming. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm not a dad, so I'm sure it didn't really affect me as much as it did you. Because you yeah, had that it, personal connection. It made me cry. It made me cry both times. Like, it's it's powerful when you're like, if your child was dying, would you would you give them up forever to save their lives? Mm. Let me tell you, a good parent would want to say, yes, absolutely, I'll do whatever. That's not an easy decision. No. No, There's no, no way. And I think you see the turmoil in Mbenga's eyes. Yeah. Uh, just... And I can't say, what's the actor's name that plays Mbenga? Oh, uh, Mbenga? Babs. Um... Babs Alusunamakun. Yeah, he was really good in this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, he's fabulous. Uh, I think I, I'm... The standouts to me are Bruce Marek, mm-hmm. that's Henner, and of mm-hmm. course, um, Dad's is Dr. Mbenga and Christina Tony Stalia and Anson Mount. And Anson Mount. I mean, they were the standouts yeah. here. But everyone does a good job with this. They all, you can tell they're having fun with it. It's different. Yeah, they really are having fun with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get at the heart of this. Like that's this is this is the, the moral question that we ask. What would you be willing to do to save the life of your child? 
And you're giving up the ability to see your child forever, knowing that they are going to be safe. And actually, maybe not knowing, maybe not even knowing. Mm-hmm. You're not sure. But his daughter is but for sitting the chance. For the chance. Yeah. His daughter's sitting there going, I'm okay with it, Daddy. I'm fine. Like, such a mature decision. I don't know and if I could do that. I think the ultimate moral of this episode, which I think is fantastic, is that you can write your own story. Mm-hmm. That's a, certainly a philosophy I've choose, chosen with my life. Yeah, your focus determines your reality, as Plagun Gun said. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we all could write our own stories. And that's the message here. I think that's the message of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's it's just a wonderfully... It, this is why the show, this show is so good. Yeah. It has a lot of fun in traditional Star Trek playing. And then it has these emotional moments that really make you connect with these characters. Mm-hmm. What a cast. Really incredible. What a... You know, I, I love the ending to this too. Maybe a little trite, but it was so good. He's talking with Una. Uh, and of course, uh, he, he says it in his lo- his his personal log. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, none of the crew remember what happened. The entity is doing my daughter's doing. I'm sure of it. Um, all the logs are blank that he made, everything. It's as if it never happened. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Una and explaining what happened. Uh, and she says, it sounds like a hell of a story. And Mega agrees. And he says, well, like all stories, uh, it begins like all good stories. Once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ends. And you're like, oh, it just. And the camera st- pans out and you get a shot of the empty chair. Oh. Knowing that, uh, what Rakia is Rakia, yeah. He never gonna see her again. Like it's just mm. it just it hits you right there as a father. You know it was for the best, but it hurts the sacrifice that you make. Mm-hmm. And I love this because this is in reference to in Greek mythology, um, the Elysian fields are mm-hmm. are, are heaven in Greek mythology essentially it Mm -hmm. is the best level of of uh Tartarus of the underworld that you could get Mm -hmm. you know uh so being the Elysian kingdom we're Mm -hmm. talking that essentially essentially what we've done here is you killed this girl you killed this girl and sent her to heaven that's the kingdom of heaven is what we're talking about here that's that's rough for Star Trek Mm-hmm. To, for Star Trek to pull that off, Star Trek has never been one until I again until the DS9 era, mm-hmm. never been one to focus on religion as a heavy. Yeah. It was always about science. Yeah, Roddenberry was kind of against religion. So, kind of. so to see that that element pushed into it was was interesting, uh, and again, it's still a very powerful, rough uh, thing. Um, to be done it just wow uh yeah. oh by the way uh you mentioned it and i found it earlier uh uh the costume design for mm-hmm. for um jess bush's character she did yeah. it herself yeah oh wow okay. the jewelry and the rings were all designed by her and she did it 
Yeah. Uh, and she had a hand in some of the costume design as well. Just putting that yeah, out. I mean, well, I, I love Jess Bush. I think we all love Jess Bush. Oh, yeah. She's she's a tour de force in this. Um, yeah. Uh, was there anything in this episode that we did not like? No, I mean, it would have been nice to maybe see a little bit more of um, a, a Nurse Chapel and some of the other. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think that that's a big deal. It's a Levenga-centered episode, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything I didn't like? You know, not really. Not really. There's not anything really, unless you nitpick. Yeah. And and you did call it out, definitely, that this has those uh, those remains of, like, masks in TNG, season seven of TNG. Yep. Uh, but also, Imaginary Friend. Yep. Uh, Remind me of TNG again. Um, But there's some other interesting things in here which do add to our Trek world. I find it very interesting that if you look very closely at the storybook that is being written, who the author is, the author canonically proves that the character of Benny Russell was a real person. Yeah. Now, yeah. We have not covered this episode yet, and I can't wait. This is one of those I really yes. can't wait to. Yes. Uh, when we talk about Far Beyond the Stars, one of the greatest you, episodes of Star Trek. I I think it's the greatest. I'm not. I I I think it's the greatest wow. episode. Okay. Wow. Well written. Well, I mean the, the accolades on this are just fabulous. yeah. I mean my word. No, like and again, this is not just good Star Trek. This is good television. That episode. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll get there. We will, but long story short, the prophets send Ben Sisko into, an, let's call it, another existence. Yeah. He is a, a black writer during the 1950s. 50s? 1950s. Yeah, it's he, a, he writes, uh, this man, Benny Russell, uh, is a writer, but they are often taking his stuff and putting it under pen names or, you know, what have you. They're not allowed at the time to. It, it, it's a take on racism. Or at least nobody knows that he's black. That's right. Uh, I believe it was also directed by Avery Brooks. Yeah. Like, it was. this, this yes. is huge. Mm-hmm. But the question always loomed by the end of the episode because they did something really cool where, in the reflection of, of the window, as we pan out for the end of the episode, you see Benny Russell. Yeah. You are the dreamer this, and the dream. Right. So the question has always been for fans. Which is the fiction and which is yeah. the reality? Yeah, and and the whole idea metatextually. Mm-hmm. So, Benny but, Russell is the creator of Star Trek, right? So this in actually, a metatextual way, it is. But this canonizes the idea that Benny Russell was a real author, uh, uh, and exactly when he wrote the book, who knows? Uh, but he is a real author. Uh, that was a nice touch by them. That was like a quantum leap kind of thing. Where it was a little Cisco, bit, yeah. <laughs> Cisco, Cisco wasn't sure first what life. was going on, uh, and we will get to that episode. But oh, high but my words were printed in a book. <laughs> high recommendation, guys. DS Nine, yeah. far beyond the stars. Check it out. We'll get there's that, yeah. one. I'll say that if there's one episode of DS Nine you're gonna watch, that's the one. That is. Oh, it is so good. Anyway, but yeah, the book is written by Benny Russell. I love that. I absolutely. Um, also, you know, this had that remind is reminded me uh, during our away mission. 
I actually watched a Squire of Gothos for the first time. Yes. And this reminded me of that a little bit. Too. Very much. Very much. Yeah. Um this I love idea... Bill Campbell. I love Bill Campbell. Yeah, this idea of 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 a and I'm gonna call him a non-corporeal because we don't know what he is. He's not a Q, he's not it's weird, but he has a mom and a dad, we know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it had some of those vibes in it too. I, I really liked that. Um this is just such a fabulous episode. It is. It really is. This is fun, I think entertaining. It's one of the best of the season. It, it is. Yeah. I, I, I think the character work is beautiful and the heart of the decision and manga has to make. Um, you know what? This is one of the best doctor centric episodes we've ever had too. Mm-hmm. I, I would say some of the characters that don't get enough personal time are the doctors. They really don't. Bones, I would agree. Bones never really got a great bone centric episode. It's true. He did get a lot of great episodes with other people, but Crusher was hit and miss on a couple of them. Yeah. Sometimes she got something good, sometimes she got something bad. Uh you know, we go down the line. Bashir, I think, probably got the better end of the stick. I would uh, agree with that. Overall. And uh the dot the EMH, you know, had some pretty good ones. Oh yes. You know what? And this is another one that reminds that the EMH in uh 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 Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. Kind of yes. that goofy nature. That's what this reminded me of a little bit too. Uh, throwing that in. Or there. of course, so, the great heroes and demons. Yeah, heroes and demons. Him as Bale or Schweitzer. <laughs> the he, the warrior Schweitzer. If you want some ice in that, it'll cut down the swelling. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, I mean, the, we we never get a lot of great character development with the doctors and the shows. This was nice. This mm-hmm. tied up that arc a little sooner than I expected it to. I kind of hoped he would have had a solution that didn't involve this kind of thing, but yeah. that being said, it was it was a lovely, lovely trip. Yeah, it was. Final thoughts. Don't skip this episode. It is fantastic. Yes, this this is great, and you can watch and it it's by very itself. traditionally Star Trek. It very much is, uh, and you can watch this without any other context. You really can, mm-hmm. and I like that because he explains it in his logs what's going on. So you understand right away, she is sick. The daughter knows she is sick. And you see the torment. That, I, I love it. This mm-hmm. is so fabulous. All right. Uh, so high recommendation from you and I. Yes. Uh, but as I said, next next episode, we are taking a look uh, at the final film so far in mm. Star Trek canon, Star Trek Beyond. Mm-hmm. I love Star Trek Beyond. This, yeah. this, it's good this, fun. Yeah, it's not my favorite of the three, but it is, and I'll I'll talk more about that later. It it felt the most Star Trek to me, mm-hmm. uh, and I love it. It, it the, the other some of the other movies are better, but this one just felt like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That was nice. We'll we'll talk more about that. But as I did allude to at the beginning of our episode, we will have a bonus episode. Uh, it may come out before, it may come out after. We're not one hundred percent exactly when, but we will be reviewing the entirety of Star Trek Prodigy together in mm-hmm. honor of this great series that we hope will continue on for at least a season two, uh, and let us finish off. And somebody, please. Give Robert Beltran more than one line to do in an episode. And um, apparently they willowed the series. They did willow it. Yeah, willow uh, in reference to Disney Plus 
removing Willow entirely. Uh, Paramount Plus has done the same. I think with... you've got you've got Willow will now be the new. Yeah, apparently. Unfortunately, or we got prodigied. We got prodigied. I hope it doesn't go. But we got we got Dark Crystal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brennan. Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brennan Miskell. You can follow my podcast under the Page Turners They Were Not banner. Page Turners They Were Not on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And join us here on Random Tricks. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at C Ingle1984, where we are going into July. I, I have just finished my summer, my summer program. That's part of my away mission was finishing out my summer program. Uh, and so I will be playing some Star Trek games, uh, recording those, and we will be posting some of that on our YouTube channel. Uh, so you'll be able to see as I as I play through some Star Trek games that I've never played before. And uh, actually, I made a decision since Prodigy is being uh, deleted. I'm going to find a way to make this happen by the Star Trek Prodigy video game that came out this year. Ooh, I I know nothing about it. Uh, it's for the Switch. Uh, we'll see what we can do. I got to be able and to hook I up the say, Switch. Oh hail Elite Force! <laughs> ah yes, everyone loves Elite Force. It is probably mm -hmm. one of the best Star Trek games, if not the best. But uh, we will get into that uh, during July. So as we end every episode, kapra and live long and prosper. Peace and long life.